0: The following message was recorded at New Beginnings Church in Slidell, Louisiana. Please feel free to duplicate and share this message as you feel led. And you are invited to visit us at New Beginnings Church at 330 Robert Boulevard, Slidell, Louisiana 70458. Our Sunday services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening services at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, call us at 985-781-4663. And may God richly bless you as you listen to this message. For the text for that series from the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. In uh, verse 17, there are two words that uh, uh, set the stage for hypergrace. Where he talks about the much more of God's power. And the word much there is, a, is an interesting word because it means it's a quantity that can't be quantified. It's a number that can't be figured. You're thinking a million, God's thinking 17 trillion. You know, he's way, way over the top. Forgive my, forgive my political pun there, but um, uh, the other word is uh, more where it talks about a quality of things, and uh, the quality of grace just can't be compared to anything else, Um uh, we compare things, even the, the scriptures do that for us in the book of Revelation, it talks about streets of gold, trying to give us an idea of what the, the heavenly realm was like. But really, it can't be compared to anything. As uh, You might remember that it's like comparing the hope diamond to sand. I mean, there's just no comparison. Uh, and so uh, much more means it's a quantity you can't quantify, and it's uh, something you can't, uh, you can't compare. And then Paul goes on to verse uh, 20, and he says that uh, the abounding grace abounds. And that word abounds is a word that we learned, a Greek word. It's called humpa paratio. And it's a combination of two words, humpa and paratio. And the humpa is hyper. It's where we get our English word hyper from. And, uh, and paratio is just an abundance beyond uh, what you could ever think about. So grace is that. It's really hyper. It really is hyper grace. Uh, I wrote an article in the newspaper, and one of the things I said about hyper grace, if you would ask Paul if you believed in hyper grace, he would respond, is there any other kind? I mean, there isn't any other kind. It, it's, it, it's really more than we understand or think about. So uh, that's why it's a hyper grace conference, and uh, James will be speaking in just a few minutes. Before I do that, I want to introduce some, a couple to you. And that's the two sitting right here in the front. This is Rick Manners and his wife, Judy. Stand up so they can see you, all right? Yeah. All right? Yeah. Rick uh, is uh, a new mind uh, in the last, well, know, about a year now, I guess, uh, since I met you. And uh, he married uh, one of my daughter's best friends, Judy, uh, down in Florida. And uh, they both uh, just love the Lord and just awesome people. But the more I got to know Rick the more I appreciated it. And I heard, got the chance to hear him speak a little bit. And I said, hey, this guy's got it figured out. And I read a couple of his books and said, he's way ahead of me. So, uh, I thought it'd be great for Rick to come in. He'll be here tomorrow night. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. All right. So, uh, I'd bring all my friends, bring some of the enemies too. All right. Uh, <laughs> and so Rick will be here t- tomorrow night and again on Sunday. All right. So, uh, We'll let him uh, hold in then to get a chance to speak to you. He does have some books. They're available for sale. I believe they're on the back table, so uh, you can help yourself a few of those. You're really going to want them after you hear him speak, all right? So I'll just tell you, if you live by faith, go ahead and get them now, all right? So so you won't be disappointed tomorrow in case he runs out. And just one other little note of interest, uh, the book that... uh, I was able to assemble together. Grace Thoughts, thanks to uh, Rick and Judy, they actually published it and put it together for me. So he's a a publisher, among other things. Very interesting uh, gentleman. I know you're going to learn to appreciate him and to love him. He he and Judy are easy to love, all right? Which brings me to uh, one of the loves of my life, uh, and that's James Barron. The first time I encountered James uh, uh, in writing, I, I knew that he knew something special. As he and I were in defense of a young girl at the time, by the name of Stacy Sorensen. And uh, when the opportunity came, when New Beginnings Church began, and uh, James was able to come, and when I got to hear him speak in person, uh, I said, That's exactly what I believe, but I never knew how to say it. I didn't know where it was in the scriptures. And James has been a a fountain of uh, truth for me, and for many of you who have heard him speak. So uh, he is a, a blessing beyond blessings. He does have one DNA fault. He has no life. <laughs> but besides that, <laughs> no, 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 no. so uh, with his LSU shirt on, let's give him a big <laughs> welcome, James Barron, all right? That's
1: so true. <laughs>
0: uh, God bless you. Oh, by the way, uh, there's a uh, basket right as you came did in. You, you had you to you walk check. past you it to indeed. get in. Too, too. Uh, please uh, leave a generous yeah, in I'll that basket. Uh, we're going to uh, assemble this together and split it up between these guys. So uh, we won't know the final count until Sunday. So if you forgot your credit cards and your checkbook, in fact, if you just put your Visa card or the American Express, we'll take that, all right? <laughs> the whole card, I mean. I We want the whole thing. All right, James, you're on.
1: And over here we saw the moon coming up uh last night was a full moon but tonight's still pretty full too but it's beautiful moon coming up and we were thinking about how the the scripture says the moon is called the faithful witness and it's called the faithful witness because it is reflecting the, the light of the sun it's on the other side of the planet you uh, know they're you guys are working on this. I guess. And um, and the moving around too much? All right, cool. Because if that's a problem, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> uh, but the moon, as you know, the moon has no light in and of itself. The moon, you're really looking at the sun's light that's reflecting. So it's, it's an awesome. The moon is actually a faithful witness because it's telling you, it's telling the dark, telling the dark that a light is shining so you don't see it. On the other side, the light is shining brightly even though it is pink black. The moon is reflecting that light that is shining bright side of the planet. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> the, the faithful not yeah or <laughs> compared to Orlando thank you buddy anyway i, I just want to share i want to share some thoughts tonight about that very thing about um, the cons or thinking about the other side the moon is a faithful witness that shines in the dark tells us a light shining on the other side you can look at the moon and know the sun is shining even though it's pitch black it's awesome so cool I mean just every time you see a moon just know you know if that sun wasn't reflecting on that moon the moon would be black on the in the sky I couldn't see I couldn't see the moon it'd be invisible it'd be black so I'm looking at a beautiful moon and actually look at the light from the sun it's just awesome just to ponder those things. You know, there's so many things that are in creation that speak of Jesus and speak of, speak of God and speak of what his reality. I just want to share this real briefly because I, scientists say this is an, they just say it's an incredible coincidence. We know better. But think about this. I, we're, we're just thinking about the moon here. The moon viewed from the earth is a certain size in the sky. Now we know the moon is very small compared to the sun. If you put the moon and the sun side by side, you'd have this huge ball of fire next to this little speck. Because we know the earth is very small compared to the sun, the moon is even smaller than the earth. So the moon is a very small Heavenly body, I guess. Call it. The sun is very huge compared to the moon. God put the sun exact at the exact right temperature. The sun has these exploding nuclear explosions upon it. Hot, hot, hot. God put the sun and made it the exact size that it is and put it exactly the distance it is from the earth so it wouldn't burn up the earth or the earth wouldn't get too cold. I mean, think about this. This This is God's signature in the skies. He put this ball of fire exactly the right distance from the earth. He put this moon exactly the right distance from the earth so that we don't have tidal waves every 30 days. We just have high tides and low tides. We don't have tidal waves and tsunamis with the moon being too close or too far away. We have high tides and low tides, perfect. So he put the moon exactly in the sky from the earth and the sun exactly where it should be from the earth a certain distance. Now look at this, this is awesome. As viewed from the surface of the earth, The sun and the moon are exactly the same size. Scientists say, we don't know how that happened. It's an incredible coincidence, they say. Do you know they have never yet found another planet, another moon, and another sun in the entire universe that is such, that is that way? All the universe, all the planets, all the moons, all the suns they see, all the stars, they they always have a, a little moon that goes in front of a big sun or a little sun far away and a moon covers it up. Nowhere in the universe. What is this saying to us? What does this mean? See, I believe that the sun speaks of God. Earth revolves around the sun, so we're... The Earth is subservient to the Sun. So the Sun speaks of God. The Moon speaks of man because the moon revolves around the Earth. So the Moon speaks of man. And I believe God has been put in the heavens from the beginning of time, it is the message of the day of God would come to a man. The day is coming when God will become a man. And what happened? What happens when the eclipse takes place and, we, and they fit perfectly on top of each other? The fullness of God in, the, in, the, in a man, a picture of the fullness of God, the sun in the, in the moon. What happens? Darkness. Because His purpose was to come to die. He came, Thou hast was prepared for me a body, Father, that I might offer it. So the very part of God becoming a man was to offer his body, to offer himself. He became partakers of flesh and blood that he might offer himself for the sins of the world. And then soon that eclipse is over, and a new day dawns. Light again shines. he's been from the heavens from the beginning and guess what all those things we see in the sky an eclipse a moon a sun are just pictures pictures of the real pictures of the reality when jesus was on the cross we read in the gospels how when he the crossed the great darkness was on the cross. saints is the real eclipse? What happened was all sin was being placed on the sun. And it was coming. Jesus said as he approached the cross, he said, "Now is the judgment of this world. Now is the prince of this world cast out. The who accuses? He cast out, because he will take judgment that's due us." You know, I never heard a message preached growing up as a believer. I never, ever, ever, ever heard a message preached that the cross was the judgment of the world. Never. It's an awesome truth. Jesus himself, as he approached the cross, said, now it's judgment of the world. It's awesome. See? God would, would judge all men. And saw a man hung on a tree, but God saw the whole world—every man, woman, and child that was ever born, that ever will be born, from all time and eternity, being judged for sin. For He became for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. It's awesome. So, this whole thing in the sun. Uh, it 's just awesome to ponder these things you know the the great the great work of God, the great love of God that he would do this but i want I want to share some thoughts saints, about this thoughts about this other side I want to share a few thoughts. I don't want to talk too long, but I want to share a few thoughts about what happens on the other side, of the door and how the sun lived, how the sun lived on Earth on the other side of this door. Um, first of all, I really you know, you know how we believe the church as a whole has kind of missed it on law and grace and it, the church is getting it back as far as the revelation is really breaking out in circles about what grace really is and how we are free from law and Jesus did in fact take upon himself the judgment of the world and that if you're in Christ there is no judgment for the believer because you have believed and you have passed from death and into life as Jesus says he who believes on me shall not come into judgment but already passed from death into life I'm in this place of union with Christ and as he is who are we in this world now not when we die but now we are as he is we now he in us we in him the revelation of grace is breaking forth in all in circles everywhere around the globe what the all preached and proclaimed power something else that's coming that that is uh not uh, not a new truth not something in addition really but It's a it's a greater understanding of what the kingdom of heaven is. Because if you remember, that's the very first message Jesus preached. When he first began to preach, he preached, Behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or the kingdom of heaven is near, or the kingdom of heaven is in reach. And and this is what is becoming bigger and bigger in me. Jesus said that, that he was the door. He said, I am the door. Saints, start thinking about the kingdom of heaven as a parallel reality that is here now in the spirit. You and I have been translated, Paul said, from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son you have been moved through a door we have been moved through a door now that you you are now creatures of two worlds of this world and of the the world the heavenly world of where jesus is and where he is from the real you jesus is no longer from below from but from above because i'm born from above if you lived on Jesus, you have been born from above by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so you have literally been translated from the kingdom of this realm to the kingdom of the beloved Son. You and I have gone through a door. Jesus said this. He said the kingdom of heaven is not coming like men think. It's not coming with observation. It's not coming where you can see it with your eyes. It's not coming like men think, for it shall be within you. Saints, saints, saints. He has brought you to where he is. Yes. We have that verse where it says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. That where I am, you may be also we have read that verse and we have sung about that verse and we have said he's up there mansions for us, and one day when we die, we're gonna go and see our mansion that he's been working on for two thousand years. That's what we believe as a church, and generally speaking, sing about it. He went to prepare a place for me. He's working on my mansion, my mansion builder. Second chapter of Acts, sang it in the seventies. My mansion builder. And most of the church believe he's saying the word that I am going to pre- to prepare a place for you, and I will come again. I will not leave you as orphans. Excuse me, two thousand years? No. I don't think he had that in mind. I think that's pretty orphanage. <laughs> that's pretty much. That's pretty much orphan. I mean, think about it. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come back to you. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again. And he said this in the Bible of John. He said, after a little while, after a little while, after a little while. He said it four times after a little while. Not 2,000 years. No, three days. He said, I'm going away. And the world is going to rejoice. And you will be sad. But you will see me again. And when you see me again, no man takes this joy from you. He was talking about within three days, he would come again. Having prepared the place for you and me that we might be, he is. Now, (laughs) lo, I am with you always, Jesus said. I am with you always, even until the end of the world. And guess what? You are always with him, seated with him in heavenly places. Now, not when the body dies, not in the future. Yes, in the future, in a manifest way. Now we walk by faith, then by sight. It's as real now. It's as real now as it will be then. You are not any more righteous now. I mean, you will not be any more righteous then than you are now. You will not be any more in you Christ, then than you are now. Saints, Jesus said that I leave with you my peace, not as the world gives. He said my peace. He said, I leave you my joy. Not as the world has. Not happiness. Happiness is, is there, when there's, when there when something happens. And when something doesn't happen, people aren't happy. Happiness is a worldly thing. You know, we're happy when things happen. And we're not happy when things don't happen. That's not what he, he left us his joy. An inner joy that springs from a union and a relationship with the Father. Paul says, the kingdom of heaven is righteousness. You have his own righteousness. You and I, we have his own righteousness. He becomes sin for us. Why? So that we become the righteousness of God in him. Paul says, Oh, that I might be found not having a righteousness of my own, which is by the law, but that which is from Christ as a gift. He who has received this abundant grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Paul says the kingdom of heaven is first and foremost righteousness. It's his righteousness in you as an act of creation. Do you realize, saints, you don't have just imputed righteousness. That's what they had before Christ. Abraham Abraham had imputed righteousness because he believed. But you have not only imputed righteousness, you have imparted righteousness because of an act of creation. They did not have the notion. You do. That they would not be perfect without you. It was to you that this was what you and I have been eased, an act of creation, not just imputed righteousness, imparted righteousness. Do you realize that when your body dies, that you will be in the presence of God, absent from the present, with the Lord, immediately with, with joy unspeakable. Amen. That means, that means, because there's scripture that says the death of your body adds anything to your righteousness? And the scripture does not say that at the death of your body that somehow God has to finish working on you real quick like before you become a crispy critter in his presence. All this talk, saints, all this talk, getting your heart right as a believer and working on your heart and trying to purify your heart. Give me a break. Good luck. Only God can give you a new heart, and that's exactly what He did in an act of creation. Behold, the days come, the prophet said, when He will pour water over you and wash you and put a new spirit in you and a new heart in you. Peter says about Cornelius in the book of in the, the house of Cornelius. Peter said, when we Jesus God purified their hearts by faith, purified their hearts. Acts fifteen. You, as a believer, have a pure heart. You have a new heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You can see Him now. We behold the glory of God in the face of Christ and are transformed from glory to glory because we have heart and we can see Him as He is. So are we when you look at Him. It's like looking into a mirror. Paul said, because when you look into a mirror, you see yourself. But when you look at Jesus, you're actually seeing yourself. Because you have been created in his image. Yes. Yes. It's yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have been moved into this place in him. It's a parallel reality. Okay. Swamp. Yeah. No we problem. keep, keep breaking down. Right, cool. Thanks, man. It's a parity. What do I mean by parallel reality? And it's within you. That's the key. It's within you, it's not around you. See, some people used to teach, I don't know if they still teach this, but they used to teach that by faith, if you have enough faith, you can create your own world around you with no troubles, no problems. And if you have troubles or problems, you don't have enough faith but if you haven't created your own world around you, no, that's not the truth. Jesus said, in the world, you shall have trouble, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I have brought you to another place that you might rest in me and enjoy what I'm enjoying. What is the son enjoying? First of all, he's enjoying sonship. For he has brought many sons into glory. For the spirit of the son has come into our hearts. The spirit saying, Papa, daddy. You call God your daddy now. You share in his sonship. Awesome reality. Abba, Papa. You share in his righteousness. Because as he is, so are you. You can't improve on that righteousness. And you can't lose righteousness by doing. You can't get it by doing, can't lose it by doing. It's all, all through faith. You receive a gift. God raises you and out from the dead for God calls into being that which did not exist before and creates you new in him. It's awesome. You have his joy, you have his peace. This is, Saints, this is not just theory. This is not just theory. It's not just wishful thinking. It's what he wants us to enjoy in a, in a fallen world that's going crazy around us. Jesus said toward the end of the world, before his second coming, that the world would get worse and worse, not better and better. He said, when you, he said, when you see it getting worse and worse, he said, don't let that trouble you. Look up, because that just means your redemption draws near. The, evil, the, the world is calling evil good. And calling good evil. Jesus said they would. And they are. But see, in that place, in him, we don't have to be swept away by every wind of doctrine, every false teaching, every distortion of the gospel. Paul talked about uh, those who preached a different Jesus, a different gospel, Jesus even said this. He said, there will be many who will come in the last days and say, I am the Christ. He's not saying there that they will say that they are the Christ. He's saying that they will say, I am the Christ. Although we have we've had plenty of false messiahs who say they are the Christ, but those are pretty easy to spot. No. <laughs> but what's worse of the spot, what's the greater deception is when people come and say, Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He's the Savior of the world. And then they preach another Jesus. They preach a different salvation, a different way of righteousness. They don't preach, them. They don't preach this other reality in the spirit. They preach something politically correct, maybe something that feels good to them, their own opinions about what love is. Scripture says those in the last days who who don't receive the true love that comes from the truth, that strong delusion will fall upon the people that don't receive the love that comes from the truth, the true love of God. Strong delusion. And when we think we know better than God what truth is without going to the Scripture, we're in trouble. Jesus said that people get into error because they know not the Scriptures nor the power of God. They know not the scriptures, nor the power of God. And when people begin to put the scriptures on the shelf and say, it's a great book, it's a blessing to me. I love the book of the scriptures. They're, They're so sweet, so nice. But then they go their way with their own opinions about what love is, what grace is, and what God wants. And, you know, they're a ship without a rudder. And they will soon fall upon the rocks. And many will share faith, and they'll just, you know, end up, In disaster because they have left the truth of who Christ is anyway so this whole thing about the door is awesome it's getting bigger and bigger in me you know it's like this um, and it's all through the scripture look look at um, look at the beginning the very beginning um, in the flood of of the earth and Noah's Ark you had a door Okay, watch this, saints. You could walk through that door. Now, the earth, the scripture says, was full of violence and evil. So it's a lot out all flesh. It's a picture of the cross, too. But you can walk through that door, one door. And after walking through that one door and floating around and then landing and settling on the ground, walk out through that same door still be on the earth, the same earth, but a different reality. You see what God is painting a picture of? See, same earth, one door to another earth, a new world, a new world. With a rainbow in the sky that says no more judgment. See what God, see the picture God is painting? He's saying, I'm going to do a work carry men if they believe if they will only believe they will I will carry them through judgment through a door into another place that I have prepared in myself in that place they will have my joy they will have my peace they will have my life though they walk the same earth as those around them who don't know me, they will be in a different place. You see, even though your body is here on earth, the real you has been translated already. You are in the heavenly realm. You have gone through the door, which is Christ. And you now walk the earth as Jesus did, a man of two worlds. And as you, when you lose this body, then that's when you leave this world. But you've already entered the other world now. This is what it means to walk by faith now, to enjoy now, this reality now. Now, what's so cool about this is that the life of Jesus inside of you It's not just in word only. The kingdom of heaven is not in word only, but in power. Jesus felt virtue go out of his body. When someone by faith reached for him, he felt virtue, power go out of his body and heal her. I'm telling you, saints, this is substantive. This is not doctrine. This is not just doctrine. It's doctrine. Doctrine is a good word, but it's not just doctrine. It's not just theology. It is theology. Theology is not a bad word. But it's not just theology this is substantive this is experiential this is experiential listen god is spirit god speaks he's not a dumb idol that cannot speak he speaks he wants to experience he wants us to experience him and he wants to experience you think about that saints he wants to experience you like he wants you to experience him that's called intimacy. That's called fellowship. That's called friendship. That's called sharing life together with God. It's awesome. You see a lot of theology out there is, is, is void of, of, uh, experiential reality. I tell you what, this whole thing about the door, you know why we don't see it? Same way, same reason we didn't see law and grace. We really don't believe. it's that good you see we have theologians telling us well there's the now and the not yet there's the tension between the now and the not yet there's a tension see in the scripture now we have forgiveness but we don't not yet do we have holiness we're working on that we're working on sanctification we're working on being holy now we have forgiveness but the not yet is well most preachers the not yet list is pretty long I mean, it's all when you die. Jesus' is not yet list is very short. It really is. Jesus' is not yet list is body, changed from mortality to immortality, no longer walking by faith, but by sight face to face, period. That's it. That's it. That's it. What do you mean? You mean right now I have righteousness? Yes. You mean right now I have fellowship with God? Yes. You mean right now I can go to the throne of God right now, boldly to the throne? Yes. Right now. You mean I can call God my father right now? Yes. Right now. You mean right now I can have peace that though I just blew it, he's not counting that sin against me because he has done this awesome covenant work whereby he remembers my sin no more and is merciful to all my iniquities because of a great transaction that took place and that he really has brought me to this new world in him yes joy unspeakable and full of glory you know what what spread through the cities and this what really caused the cities to be turned upside down it was this awesome gospel This good news that God was no longer counting your sins against you if you would only believe. For God was in Christ reconciling the whole world unto himself, not counting their sins against them anymore. A certain word, a certain sound, went forth in those cities, and all these people—some who wanted God but never saw them as a, ever having a chance of God being with God, the prostitutes or whatever—and then the holy men who were trying their hardest to be close to God, but always felt like they fell short. This word came out with a great as a great sword. God, we have good news of a great joy to tell you. God has stopped counting sins. What? Yes, God has stopped counting sins if you just believe on his son. How can he be just and the justifier of the ungodly? Ask God. It's his idea. Isn't that awesome? Why don't we hear that clear word? But God has stopped counting sins if you would only believe. But if you don't believe, you will die in your sins, Jesus said. He said, if you believe on me, you will not die in your sins. But if you don't believe on me, you will die in your sins. But you must believe. You must believe. The word goes out. Paul was sent to call the nations to the obedience of faith. There is only one law to obey now, Paul says. It's called the law of faith. Faith. One law to believe. There's only one sin left on the earth. It is the unpardonable sin that will have no forgiveness, Jesus said, in this life or in the life to come or in the world to come. No forgiveness for this sin in this world or in the world to come, Jesus said. It is the sin of unbelief. The scripture says the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world of sin. What What's sin, Father? Because they believe not. On Jesus. It is not prostitution is the big sin. Homosexuality is not the big sin. Divorce is not the big sin. Theft is not the big sin. Murder is not the big sin. No, the big sin and the only sin of which there is no sacrifice and no forgiveness. Jesus said in this world or in the world to come, is a rejection of the only one who took away our sin. That's the truth. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Jesus looked over Jerusalem and wept because they did not recognize him. He wept. He said, how often, how often, how often, how often, how often I wanted to gather you like a mother hen gathers her chicks to protect you from your enemies. How often I would have, but you would not. You would not. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, he wept looking at the city from the hill. How often I would have, but you would not. So these cities were turned upside down because of this certain sound that was going forth that God has stopped counting sin. If you would just believe, behold the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. We have great news to tell you. Stop striving to be good. He can make you good. That's what he told the Pharisees. The Pharisees were trying to get people to be good. And Jesus said, just make the tree good. If the tree's good, it'll bear good fruit. Evil tree bears evil fruit. So make the tree good. They go, how can we do that? And Jesus said, that's the point. You can't. You know what that, you know if that's what he meant by the speck in the eye, the log in the eye, the speck in the eye, the whole parable there. He's not talking about, you know, don't condemn your brother for his sins because you have sins too. He wasn't talking about that. He was talking about in the context of this good tree and bearing good fruit and evil tree. He was talking about the Pharisees, the legalists, They were so concerned with sin and the outward manifestation of the flesh and trying to make people behave, thinking that would make them good. But you don't change the tree by just cutting off the bad fruit. It's still a bad tree. So what was the log in the Pharisee's eye? It was a blindness to the reality that you must be born again. You cannot fix this. You cannot fix this. You cannot, by law, fix this. It's a log in your eye. You seek righteousness after the law, after the works of the law, and you will not find it. They refuse to submit themselves to the righteousness of God by faith. And the Gentiles found it and weren't even looking for it. That's the log. The log in the, Pharisee eye, the Pharisee's eye is a wrong, wrong thinking about God Man and God and how God does things. For his ways are not our ways, as high as the heavens are above the earth. So are his ways different from our ways. Jesus said, make the tree good and you will have good fruit. That's what I came to do. See, God sees our sins as tiny specks. He's not concerned with sins. The big problem is you're dead. You try to change your behavior, you're, God is not impressed. If you're not born of the Spirit and you're trying, just trying to change your behavior to become acceptable to God or be good, you're rearranging the furniture on the Titanic, as they say. You know, we, God doesn't care how you fix the furniture on the Titanic. You're sinking, you're dead. You need to be born again. You need to be raised up from the dead. You need to have a new heart, a new tree. And the Pharisees didn't see that. And they were, because this thing is mystical. This thing is mystical, saints. Someone said that the Christian in the latter years before Jesus comes will be a mystic or they will not be a Christian at all. I believe that's true. What do I mean by that? The believer, the the statement is this, the believer, as we approach the end of this world, and really it's true in every generation, but especially as we approach the end of this age, the believer will be a mystic or he will not be a believer at all. And I mean by that, I mean by that term mystic in the good sense of that word, one who sees the unseen one who believes in an experiential relationship with God in here, not far out, that he's not just way out somewhere, but he's inside this body, mystical. Jesus said, eat of my body, drink of my blood, and they walk no more with him because who can hear these things? Well, I'm telling you right now that Jesus himself is telling you and I right now that you and I must receive His thoughts on this, for the thoughts of God are not like the thoughts of men. I'm telling you, the presence of God is in your body now. It's mystical, it's spiritual, it's experiential. The scripture says, he who is joined to the spirit, when the Lord's spirit is joined to the human spirit, it's one spirit. We all know we have a human spirit. Even before we are born again, we all know we have a human spirit. And when you die, when the body dies, and you go to a funeral, and you look in the coffin, you see that body, you can tell that the real person's not there. The face has changed, all sunken in. Yeah, like it's just a shell, cold, hard. Why? Because whether he was a believer or not, his human spirit left him. That's experiential. See? So even the unbeliever has a spirit within their body. A human spirit. So he who is joined to the Lord, the scripture says, by the Holy Spirit becomes one spirit in the miracle of this new creation because of your faith in what Jesus did. How much more experiential is it now to experience him within us? You see, saints, it's experiential. You know, I heard that there was a teacher, that well-known teacher, I won't name his name, well known teacher. He's got a hundred books out there. He was doing a conference and he was teaching about the holiness of God and all these things. And he took some questions and someone raised his hand to, to ask a question. He picked on him. And he stood up and the young student said to him, I've listened to all your teaching, but where is experiencing God in your theology? And the speaker said, mark this man, he's a new ager. Mark that man, he's a new ager. No, he's a saint asking the right question that he did not have an answer for. Because I'm telling you, God wants us to experience him on the inside. Scripture says that the two wings of the great eagle in Revelation 12, the two wings of the great eagle, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit, two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman. That's you, the church, the bride of Christ. The two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman that she might fly to her place prepared by God. In that place, she is nourished and shielded from the face of the serpent. That's where you are. Your life is hidden with Christ sight of God. No evil can touch you, John said, but for the for Christ in you is greater. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And the evil one touches you not because you are in him and he is in you. I mean, he may kill the body. The enemy can kill the body but he can't touch your soul. can't touch the real you, the real new you. Awesome, awesome verse in Revelation 12, how God brought her to the place prepared by God where she is nourished and protected from the face of the serpent. Then it says this, serpent trying to get to her, opened his mouth, flood came out of his mouth speaks of words, false words. Scripture says they looked like lambs. They spoke as dragons. We have a lot of lamb-looking people out there that speak as dragons. And if you know the voice of your shepherd, you'll recognize it. So the dragon opened his mouth, the Scripture says in Revelation 12, trying to move the woman away from her place of rest. Words could be all kind of words it could be paul says think, think it not strange that the ministers that satan himself think it not strange that satan himself can transform himself into an angel of light love love is all the world needs you know whatever thinking not strange that satan is able to transform himself into an angel of light and his minister's Ministers of righteousness, not sin. His ministers, ministers of righteousness. That's what Paul said. What do you mean ministers of righteousness? Do you realize that one of Satan's best kept secrets is that Satan wants you to try to keep the law to be righteous? Think about that. Satan wants you to try to obey God to be righteous. That's the the key. Satan wants you to obey God for the purpose of being righteous. You see it? It's the biggest lie. It's religion's lie. He loves it. He's all about the Ten Commandments. He fought for Moses' body. He wanted the body of Moses. And God would not let him have it because he was going to make a memorial to Moses. Satan was going to do this. He was going to exalt the law. He was going to exalt Moses for all generations. And there would be millions making a mecca to this memorial that Satan would raise up to the law of God. Moses is God's man. Christians, Jews, and Muslims all going to see the great Moses. And God said, no. You will not overshadow my son. You will not overshadow my son's work and the gift of righteousness and the way of faith and the way of grace. Amen. And he would not let Satan have Moses' body. And the scripture says God buried Moses in a place. To this day, nobody knows where he buried him. It's awesome. Satan is in the religion, religious business, man. He wants you to try to obey God for the purpose of being righteous. ministers of righteousness. Satan transformed as an angel of light. So these words that come out of the dragon to move the woman from her place of rest are all these kinds of things. But then, but then the scripture says something else happened. But then the earth opened her mouth. The earth opened her mouth swallowed up the flood that came from the dragon's mouth what does that mean for the invisible things of God the invisible things of God are clearly seen and understood by the things that have been made the earth will unlock the secrets of this revelation of God and men will look at a moon in the sky and see an earth and a sun and wonder and ponder for the earth will open her mouth and swallow up the lies of the devil as In the very fabric of creation is the signature of God and the revelation of Jesus himself. For he made all things and all things were made by him and for him. His signature is on everything. The earth shall open her mouth and swallow up the lies of the enemy. It's the Bible that everybody reads. The earth itself, the moon, the stars, the seeds, the plants, the trees, the wind, the birth of a baby. It's all there. And God opens our eyes and we see it. And the enemy has no weapon against that. No way to stop it. And the woman keeps her peace and is not moved from her place of rest in Christ. In Christ, where she's nourished and cherished. Ephesians 5, he he cherishes her and nourishes her and protects her. Just wrapping up real quick. And you see this thing about the door everywhere, saints. Look, at, look for it in the scripture. It's so beautiful. You see it in, in Israel being brought out of Egypt into the land filled with milk and honey. You see the, the blood being put on the door. Why the door? Because it's a picture of the, them going through a door to another reality. The parting of the Red Sea is a picture of the opening of a door from one realm to another realm. The giants in the land are a picture of a parallel reality. We walk in this world with giants. Yet we are in a different realm. We are in Christ, in a land filled with milk and honey, have been given this reality of righteousness and joy and peace. And we, as we stand in this reality, find walls falling down and giants being beaten back. Parallel reality. See, that's not a picture of going to heaven, going to the promised land. We, everything is everything's on the not yet list. The promised land is not a picture of going to heaven when you die, when your body dies. It's a picture of going to heaven now in the spirit, in the kingdom of heaven, being, entering the kingdom of heaven now. Jesus said you cannot see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born of the spirit. You can't see it. You can't comprehend this unless you're born of the spirit because natural man can't conceive of these things. But when you're born of the spirit, it's like, yes, yes, yes. Your spirit says, yes, yes, yes. So it's, it's all in this, this door. I just ponder these realities, ponder these things. It's, it's simple, but profound. And I'll close with this. The other day I was driving home and, and uh, I was thinking, and the thought came to me. It's like father was speaking to me and he said, in, in my spirit, he said, son lived an utterly 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 simple life utterly simple the utter simplicity of christ was this he simply looked to his father for everything everything he simply looked to Abba, everything. This is what it's like on the other side of the door. This is what it's like every day in our lives in this other realm that he has brought us to. Jesus said, as I lived by my father, you shall live by me. He modeled for us how a man is to live by God. He said, the words I speak are not my words the words of my Father who dwells within me. The works that I do are not my works, but the works of my Father who dwells within me. I only do that which I see my Father do. I only speak that which I hear my Father speaking. Single-eyed, single-eyed, this utter simplicity of the Son of God just to look to the no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the problem, no matter what the issue. Father. Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you always hear me. Bless these loaves and these fishes. Asleep in a boat. In a storm and the disciples are running panic about to die they thought jesus is asleep in the boat wakes up father be still be still What was he teaching us? Peter's stuck in, and Paul, Paul's stuck in prison and his eye is on Jesus alone. He lived in that utter simplicity of looking to Christ and Christ alone and found himself praising, singing hymns in prison because he was in another place. He wasn't really in that prison. His body was, but Paul was not in prison. You may be in some prison, in some hardship, some relationship prison, feels like a prison, or just trouble, financial trouble, whatever it is. It feels like a prison, but you and I have a way of escape. Jesus said, I am the door and the sheep go in and out and find pasture, a creature of two worlds. You know what I do when I'm really overwhelmed with things? What I do is I just, I go there with my full attention. I'm already there, but I'm aware and consciously aware and I go there and I lay my head On his chest. What I do. I just go there and I lay my head on his chest. Nothing can touch you there. Nothing can touch you there. No matter what you're going through, no matter what storm, no matter what the enemy's throwing at you, all the condemnation, all the lies or whatever the struggle, whatever the flesh We all have flesh. We all struggle. I had somebody tell me one time, like, you preach grace all the time. You must have a real flesh problem, a sin. So they said, you must have a real sin problem. I said, well, I do. It's called the flesh, which we all have. So Paul boasted in grace. He boasted in the grace of God. When you really understand grace, you boast in grace. You boast in Christ. You boast in that which has given you life and given you righteousness. You don't, you don't want to come across as you're somehow holy in your own efforts. You know, they bowed to Peter and he said, stand up, man. You think by some holiness of our own that this man stands healed before you? It's not some holiness of our own. He stands healed because of his faith in Jesus. So I've actually met people before that they, like, they kind of like it for people to feel intimidated in their presence as if they're some holy person or godly person. You may have run into some people like that. They like like people to be kind of a little, yeah, in awe of them, (laughs) right, in awe of them and kind of like, it's not right. I believe the apostles were the most approachable people on the planet. I know Jesus was. You know, children know children know and children would climb all over him children would run right up to Jesus and climb all over him pull on his hair pull on his beard they sense no fear they sense no harm a very good friend of mine who is who passed away several years ago said that the lord spoke to him so clear one time and he said he said mike humility is being harmless I love that. True humility is harmless. The children saw Jesus as harmless. They sensed no harm in his presence. We should be friends to each other. The Christ in you, in me, should so live in us and through us that we know we all are harmless, that you can share your deepest, darkest struggles with your brother in Christ and know that they will not harm you with that that you can be in fellowship with your brother and sister in Christ and know that my brother is harmless to me he is he's not going to harm me true humility in the body of Christ and the truth of God's Gift of righteousness allows that to happen because there's nobody more righteous than the other. We are all we all have his righteousness. No one's more righteous or less righteous. No one's closer to him than the other one because we're all joined to him. It's beautiful. It's genius. It's God's genius. And in humility, we can just confess our faults one to another, share our faults and our, our struggles, pray for one another that we might be healed that we might get our minds renewed to see more clearly who we really are, that we might step out of bondages and fears and things like that. That's the process of the Christian life. The process is not you and I getting more and more holy or getting more and more sanctified or you and I getting more and more righteous or getting more and more closer to God or none of that. The, the process is the process of the renewal of the mind. It's the mind catching up to what's, what is now in the spirit. That's why the scripture says, we now see through a glass darkly, we prophesy in part, why? Because we're working through these brains, you know, the brains, the infirmity of the flesh. We're working through the brain to try to comprehend heavenly realities and the Spirit's trying to teach us these things. But the scripture says, the moment you leave your body, you will know all things even as you are known like that. The moment you leave the brain, notice the brain stays in the casket brain doesn't go to heaven. The dead body's in the casket. There's a skull. And if you open the skull, you'll find the brain. The brain is of this creation. The brain stays here. But for now, we need it to articulate, to comprehend, to walk in this world. But it's also what God has to use to tell us things that are way beyond the brain. So we see through a glass darkly. But the revelation is coming as we are renewed to these realities. And the more we see, the more he is manifested through our life. So I just want to close with that, that the, what happens on the other side of this door that has been opened to us. Jesus says, I have opened a door that no man can shut. And I've closed a door that no man can open. The door he closed was the door of the law. See, there was a door, there was a door open to a certain number of people called the Jews. And that door was on God's terms, a covenant of law for a people, for a season, for a time, until the seed should come to whom the promise was made to Abraham. So the law was added for a season. For just a little season, God opened a small little door to heaven. And in that door... That veil, the high priest would go behind that door once a year to a perfect cube, a picture of heaven, the Holy of Holies, and in that perfect cube, he would see the Shekinah glory of God. That was the door, the only door on the planet, the only place that you could go, and only one man could go once a year on the Day of Atonement. When Jesus died, he closed that door by ripping it from top to bottom. He closed that door that, that will never be opened again. And all these Christians are excited about the temple being rebuilt in Israel so that the Jews start offering sacrifices again and they're all excited about that. Please. God is not, not excited about that. If it happens. It's an abomination to God. I mean, it's ridiculous. But anyway, God shut that door No man can ever approach God again under that covenant of law. God does not recognize the covenant of law. Think about that. God does not recognize the covenant from Sinai. He doesn't recognize it anymore. He doesn't recognize the 10 commandments as a covenant to be in relationship with him. That's what I mean by that. Isn't that cool? He doesn't recognize it. The only covenant he recognizes is the covenant that was cut by his beloved son. The new covenant in his blood. And so he has shut the door that no man can open. He has opened the door that no man can shut. What is that? The door of Christ. Whosoever come, whoever, whosoever will believe, let him come. Come and eat and drink. You who have no money, come. That's what it says. Isaiah said, you who have no money, come. Come and buy and eat and drink. You who are thirsty, come and drink of the water of life freely, without cost, Revelation says, without cost, Come. He has opened a door that no man can shut. No man can shut the door on you. No religion, no devil, no word of of legalism can keep you from him. Son lived in this utter simplicity in this realm that he has brought us to, that we might be where he is and live like he lived utter simplicity he looked to the father now we look to him for all things father we just thank you that you're showing us these things lord i pray that by your spirit that we would receive revelation for your ways are not our ways and your thoughts are not our thoughts As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are your thoughts and ways higher than our thoughts and ways. Who can know the thoughts of God but the spirit of God? And you've given us your spirit, Father, that we might know your thoughts. For we do now have the mind of Christ in the spirit. Lord, I pray that this reality would become more and more real to us that we will see that we are always in the Spirit. Whether we are walking in the Spirit or not, we are always in the Spirit, always in this realm, always in you and you in us. Lord, help us to see the simplicity of living on earth with our eyes single toward you, living totally dependent on you as you did toward the Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the beauty, the beauty of, a, of a parallel world, of a, of a door that has been opened. Thank you that we can go anytime to a throne of grace to find help and mercy in time of need. Thank you that we can lay our head on your chest and just be, and just be. Thank you, Father. I pray your blessing on these saints and on all those who are hearing by the internet, some in Dallas, some in North Carolina, some in Florida, some in Louisiana, even Singapore, three sisters from Joseph Prince's church, Ching and May and Eunice are watching right now. I pray, Lord, that all around, whoever is hearing these words, that they would bear much fruit. A spirit of revelation and knowledge of you would awaken us to the reality of the door of a new world that you brought us to, translated us to, that we might have the fellowship that you had with the Father. For we have been called into the fellowship of the Father and the Son, that we might partake of the same fellowship on the other side of this door, which is Christ. And from that fellowship, a great light will shine through our lives and men will see. They will see your works. And glorify our Father, which is in heaven. We are lighthouses in the night on a stormy sea. Ships without rudders about to hit the rocks. Lord, let us shine bright and bold. Help us speak boldly with joy unspeakable and announce that you have stopped counting sin if they would only believe. That you have a place you have prepared for all those who believe. That you have opened a door that no man can shut. Behold the glad news of the kingdom Heaven. Amen.
0: Hallelujah. You got anything to say, James? (laughs) We'll leave the door open for you. Wow. Well, that was uh, just a blessing. Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, as I told you before, Rick will be here tomorrow night and Sunday, and uh, it's the uh, same message uh, from a different messenger, all right? And it's like looking at different facets of the same diamond, all right? And so that's what you'll hear. Uh, thank you, James. It just, uh, it's just too long between baron fixes. <laughs> we need to fix that. <laughs> Let's all stand. Father, I ask your blessings upon uh, James Barrett, his wife Cindy, his children, uh, that uh, you might uh, bless them for them having blessed us by uh, letting uh, the love of their life, James, uh, come and spend time with us. Uh, let the words that he spoke today uh, take root, uh, let them grow, and produce good fruit in our lives. Uh, we are certainly tapped into the, to the vine and produce good fruit in Christ Jesus. Keep us safe. Watch over each one of us as we go our separate ways. As we lay our head on our pillow tonight, let us uh, uh, rest, not with visions of sugar plums, but let us rest with visions of you in the night hours. And Father, as we say so often around here, that if you're so gracious to give us a new day when the sun breaks forth in that eastern sky, We'll be mindful that your compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen Amen. and amen. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.